after further reveal. What is going on, everyone? Episode 35 after further review coming at you here. We are currently watching the Phillies game live. Good luck to Ryan and Chase. Uh, no dog in this fight for me, but how are you guys doing? You got to be feeling good right now. Six inning, seven two. What are your thoughts? I first, my thought is I got stumbled up on what what did you just say? No dog in this fight. Yeah. Okay, Michael Vick. Oh, is that a saying? I never heard that saying before. Yeah, you never heard no dog in this fight. Yeah. No. Like a dog fight, like an aerial fight. Yeah, like, uh, I, I got okay. I got no one in this game. <laughs> okay. Maybe I just randomly connected those two. They could have nothing to do with each other. I think could it's actually a... just be from dog fighting. But yeah, no, I'm drinking a brotherly love hazy IPA right now. I'm enjoying it with my Jim Tomey jersey on, and yeah, I mean, oh, it's a Phillies, not a Twins jersey. Jim Tomey never played for the Twins. Oh, I thought he did. <laughs> That's my bad. I feel like the playoff series has been playing up to the expectations and obviously the way the game ended on monday night i think monday night right yeah monday yeah. uh was was tough but the braves you know they made a good play they doubled off harper and you know, i don't think that's really on harper because if the ball does bounce off the wall he scores so that's still one way to look at it but i'm really happy with the way things are going right now hopefully they can keep it going and shut the door on them for me it's just so weird how this nlds has been virtually the same as the 2022 nlds like the last year before game one and this year before game one i vented to at least four fellow philly fans of mine why is ranger suarez starting game one i love ranger <laughs> but he they don't let him go deep in the playoffs and like wheeler and nola could have went and this same exact thing happened where he went three and a change. Like the weirdest thing becomes a straight Phillies bullpen game where everyone's like on the edge of their seat for the next four and a half, five innings. And they come out and win that one. And then Chase, like you said, game two, honestly, the ending seemed like fake to me. Like it was unreal mm -hmm. that Austin Riley hits the three run bomb and then two run bomb. the two run bomb, excuse me. And then the way that uh, Michael Harris, the second, Right? Yeah, I don't know the difference between the second and junior, but Michael Harris makes a, a, an amazing catch to end the game. And I was just like, literally, this pisses me off because it it feels like a movie and I hate being on the wrong side of a movie. Yeah. And honestly, Wheeler. So go back to game one. I hated all the moves that Rob Thompson made. I didn't think it was right to pull out Ranger the, at that point in the game. I didn't really like anything, but guess what? I was wrong because he pushed all the right buttons and won. The second game, I was really happy he left Wheeler out there, and Wheeler threw one bad pitch the entire time, and it was the bomb to Art to Darno. So, yeah. like yeah, one pitch the, changed the whole game. It's crazy. They, I saw Darno. Like, uh, I don't know if I read it or I saw it, but he basically said how he watched. Every, like when he was watching film, he watched every single one of Zach Wheeler's pitches, and he said he thinks that was his only mistake, and he just happened to be the guy that was up to bat. When I mean, he happened. also caught Wheeler. He yeah, familiar with Wheeler. They were both on the and, oh, and lifetime. Good... Yeah, lifetime. Darno has really good numbers against Wheeler. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were they're familiar with each other, so that that probably helps. Um, I just Darno's become such a good catcher since he left the Mets, so it's just one of those. 
you know, there's a lot of players here yeah. it feels like from the Mets that's just as infuriating. Yeah. Honestly, my f- my favorite part so far is all year long. We talked about Chase, we talked about last week, you know, Nola and Reese, two of the long-term Phillies, and they have the most controversy around them right now. They weren't on the team that, you know, this team's built different and they they were on the other teams that weren't as always good. And there's a lot of, you know, what's going to go on in the offseason. I love how well Nola has performed in this postseason so far. You know, game two of the wild card round, amazing seven shutout innings. Game two, uh, game three, excuse me, of the NLDS. Another great outing, career high in strikeouts. I think he finished with nine, five and a third. You know, pitch count was a little higher, but up by five, six runs at that point. Then no need to keep a man, keep his arm fresh. But I, it just, it warms my heart, like just seeing him, who's been through it all, have two great outings to start this postseason for the Phillies. Yeah, I agree. And I dumped on him earlier this season because I feel like the pitch clock was really messing with him. And I think he's made a lot of good adjustments. And just watching his pitches tonight, I mean, he had crazy movement. It's a little bit warmer. Uh, It was a little bit warmer at the start of the game. So I feel like Nola just does better anyways when it's a little bit warmer out. So he had all of his stuff working. All of his pitches were going. He had great movement, sliding it around, racked up the strikeouts early and uh, really tried to like do his best to keep him out and not have it turn to the bullpen as early as it could because they got to go right back out in 24 hours and do it all again so yeah and it just made me happier the Braves pitcher night Bryce Elder is that that's his name all day every time I went on my phone you know I'm getting hyped for the night's game I'm looking up things so all season long I'm hearing all this crap about Nola like people who have jumped on the bandwagon you know, just started following the Phillies a year or two ago. Nola's inconsistent. Nola's not that good. Nola needs to go. And then on the other side, today, every time I hopped on my phone, no matter where I was at, it was just like, oh, have you heard of this kid, Bryce Elder? Like, oh, my gosh, he was the opening day pitcher for the Braves in AAA, and he's so good. Like, I know at one point he was a hot fantasy player for one of – I forget who had him. I think Kabak might have had him, and he was hyping him up. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. Bryce Elder, six up, six down to start, gets absolutely shelled in the third inning, gives up two home runs, a two-run double to our boy Chase, JT Real Muto. And I was just like, this is the best thing that can happen. You get the starters early, but the fact that they every everyone I was hearing was just hyping this Bryce Elder guy up. And he, he could be great for years to come. But I just – that mixed with the NOLA, it's just – wasn't sitting well and boy what a great start to game three for me yeah and nola i mean he did have those weird things where he would get to the fourth inning and get roughed up or get to the fifth inning and get roughed up and it was seemed like almost every start wherever he would just have that one inning where he would just give up two or three runs or give up a, a home run or something like that and he did give up a lot of home runs earlier in the year but i think the pitch clock had a lot to do with his with the way he was because he nola probably is top five slowest pitcher in the league over his entire career up until this year. I mean, he works so slow and, but he uses it to his advantage. I think he tries to throw batters off and even now he runs up the pitch clock. So for him, it's been really good and there's more incentive for him, not only to win with this team, but he's a free agent at the end of the season. So he's trying to capitalize on all these things because baseball is really a, what have you done for me lately? So 
people are going to remember his postseason more than what he did all regular season. And if he can do it well, it's only going to mean great things for him in the offseason. I mean, while we're talking about Nola and his pitch, like his pitches, I just want to talk really quick because we had Corey Lewis on last week, which still was awesome. I'm still pumped up about it. Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. Uh, we have the clip on Instagram and, you know, the full pack podcast on Spotify. But, yeah, go listen to it if you haven't yet. Yeah, and first we want to shout out Corey Lewis because he is the Minnesota Twins Minor League Pitcher of the Year, correct? Mm -hmm. And what an awesome accomplishment. So many guys in the MLB are are trying to get to the next level and to have the fate, knowing the Minnesota Twins, a good organization, you know, they make good moves. They're, they're, They're a playoff team this year and they're doing the right things. And to know that, out of all their pitchers on those minor league teams, it's knuckleballer Corey Lewis that we had on the show. It just makes it 10 times more awesome. Corey, we're pumped for you. And I wanted to talk to you guys about this because over the weekend, um, my friend Kabak was up and I was telling him about Corey Lewis. You know, he, he didn't hear of him at first. And as soon as I brought him up, you know, he looked him up. He's like, oh, yeah, OK. I was like, yeah, it's pretty crazy because he's one of the few knuckleballers in the organization. And, and he's like... Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, I know a few players have, like, the knuckle curve, too, but not many. And I was like, what? I was like, don't a lot of pitchers throw a knuckle curve nowadays? Isn't that a common pitch? Or am I way off? Uh, no, I I think a, I, well, I think a lot of aces have knuckle curves. Yeah, I, I think it's it's not that uncommon of a pitch. Um, it's not, I mean, not yeah, like you said, not everyone throws it, but I, I think it's, not I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, fifteen percent of starting pitchers throwing a knuckle curve or twenty percent. Yeah. But I do feel like a lot of people throw it. Like even just playing the show, I don't know how accurate that is. And yeah, how many times like, you know, somebody may have had it one year and then they never go back to it. But I feel like a lot of people have it on there. Even if it's like a their fourth or fifth pitch, they still try to throw it. So yeah. So I just looked up some knuckle curve pitchers and some recent guys, like you had Dylan Patances, um, Shane Bieber, Walker Bueller, uh, Garrett Cole, Archie Bradley, <laughs> Nola, Nola, uh, Zach Godley, Darren Heron, Craig Kimbrell has a knuckle curve or at least used to. Maybe uh, that's why I thought. I think Nola Kimbrell, does too. Yeah, no, yeah. Nola does, and that's. I mean, I think a lot of the Phillies do, and yeah. I think Sarah Anthony has one too. Maybe. So, yeah, so I don't think it's yeah, definitely not that uncommon. But just see a straight knuckleballer. I mean, he talked about it a little bit with R. A. Dickey, and obviously Tim Wakefield, rest in peace, uh, had a great one too. And it's just pretty rare to have a good knuckleball. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's the thing I was telling Kabak. I was like, knuckle curve. I think a lot of pitchers it's more of a popular pitch because it's easier to throw. It's not a true knuckleball, but Corey Lewis, we don't know if we've ever seen a knuckleball this fast. And I mean, it's just, if he can consistently throw that relatively in the zone and just make him hitters miss with it. I mean, he could, he he has a shot to go, to go places and we're going to be rooting him on every, every step of the way, but hopefully he just, sat back and enjoyed this moment because that's a cool accomplishment that he earned. I didn't mean to take away – I mean, postseason baseball has been wild. Do you guys want to talk about the other series as well? Um, I mean, I'll just quickly touch on – first of all, the Rangers. I mean, yeah, 3-0 beating the Orioles. I mean, the Orioles, I think it was, what, like 90 post, 90 straight series. They didn't get swept. Yeah, 91. 91. 91. 
Yeah. And they got swept by the Rangers with this is with Alex Scherzer and DeGrom, which is yeah. insane. Absolutely and, insane. Yeah. Scherzer might actually come back, I think, for the ALCS on a pitch count, but he might be back. I That's saw. crazy. But yeah, just, I mean, yeah, I feel like the Orioles, they're definitely not in a bad position. I think they almost outplayed themselves by getting 100 wins and the expectations, I feel like, got a little bit higher for them. And you're going against a manager in Bruce Bochy who's been there and done that. So I feel like a lot of that translates to their players and they're just really hot right now. I mean, the Rangers can't miss. They got everyone swinging the bat really well. And the Orioles, I think, got a little bit of the taste of how much the want is to be in the postseason. And it's good experience for them. I mean, they're loaded. My, they won the AAA National Championship. They're, I mean, they're not short on talent by any means. And the guys that they have are young. They're only going to get better from this moment. So especially if they go out this year, get a top-end closer to replace Bautista, who got Tommy John, and get another starter. I mean, the Orioles can be right back in this position again. Yeah, that, that, that was the thing going into the postseason I was looking at with the Orioles. Is they just don't have that starting pitching. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, perform at the in the regular season, but you got to have you got to have a guy or two for the postseason. And we talked about it a little bit when the season started with Bochi and that just, you know, that really transformed that team and, you know, that made that lineup even more dangerous. So to have a veteran leader like that. So the Rangers have all they had the DeGrom injury right away, right? And so like talk about an up and down season, like immediately down. They get Scherzer at the deadline. Now it's like, okay, they, you know, they load it back up to make this run. Then if you remember in in August, they had like that eight game losing streak right after we hyped them up on the podcast. And we're like, oh my gosh, are they not even going to make the playoffs? Then fast forward to end of August, beginning of September, another ridiculous run to now have a chance to win the division. Get to the end of the season and they completely choke to lose the division. (laughs) And now they go into the wild card round, having to go down to Tampa Bay, the second best team in the majors, right? That wasn't scary. They had like 20 fans in the stands. Fair. That's a, that's a, that's a separate <laughs> issue that we did touch on last week too. Yeah. Um, sad. I mean, but the Rays have never had that great of a fan base, but still they had to go down and play the Rays in Tampa Bay, won them both, then go to the other hot AL East team, which neither are the Yankees or the Red Sox. So you have the the Rays and then you have the Orioles and completely sweep them. And they started off 5-0 and after choking, not winning their division and having to go on the road for four of the first five games. Yeah. And you're seeing that spending of the money, not this past offseason, but the offseason previously really paying off now with Seager mm-hmm. and Simeon as their kind of big, you know, big contracts at the time. Yeah. But- it's crazy that the Astros have made it like the last seven years or something, last like six, seven years straight to the championship round. And not saying that the twins don't have a chance. I mean, they've gone down there and took it to them. And obviously you're facing a team that's been there also and done that. So same thing, like we were saying, and the Rangers, I mean, yeah, they've spent a lot of money, but I think they have a a really good blend on their team. They have a lot of nice young players. They have experienced guys like Seager and Simeon, guys who have been to the playoffs before. Seager, obviously, going really deep into the playoffs with the Dodgers before he came to the Rangers. And overall, I think it's just it's a good blend. If you're a Rangers fan, you got to be hyped no matter who you're going to play. You know, I feel like you have a really good chance to get to the World Series. 
and even taking on the Astros if it's them. You know, you got to like your odds considering they just they're potent offensively. Their pitching's been okay, and their game guys they have a third baseman for the future with Josh Jung and just some guys that are really that key pieces that are going to be there for a long time. Uh, I just think the Astros that lineup is just insane. I mean, Altuve is a future Hall of Famer at this yeah. point. And I mean, Alvarez can't miss the ball. Yeah, Alvarez is an absolute monster. Bregman, who's got all the postseason experience in the world. Then you add like Jose Abreu to that lineup. And this is all without Carlos Correa, who just passed. I saw for RBIs, he just passed Jeter and Ortiz on all time RBIs list, which is insane. And he's 20, he's 29. So, and that's how, just like just what you said about how long the Astros have been in the playoffs and how they keep getting so far. And I saw that, and I'm like, that's ridiculous. So the Twins have a tough one to coming up. I did see they have Byron Buxton coming back to play for the first time since August 1st. So see if that does anything. The Astros, I mean, they had the cheating scandal, and they've, you know, the last basically decade now, after being one of the worst franchises for like 20 years, have been completely dominant. Like, is the Patriots a good comparison for them? I mean, I did. I know. I know they're not as hateable as Tom Brady and you know some of those past teams with Bill Belichick. And I know they've had a little more turnover in recent years. They've just reloaded with bigger and better players. But I, I mean, I'm trying to think of like a comparison because that's crazy. They're about to go to seven straight championship series. Like that's nuts. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good comp because you could always pencil the Patriots in for a playoff spot, no matter what. It didn't matter which position, if it was number one or number three team or whatever there you knew they were going to go and play be playing january and february football no matter what and i think the astros kind of the same way you can pretty much place a world series bet on them and feel confident with the ever you know the last however dozen years so i think it's really you know impressive and their pitching staff i mean we had to go against it last year in the world series framber javier you know it's a whole run Verlander back I mean it's a tough uphill battle to to get past them and get into their bullpen I mean yeah. you got to deal with that plus you have to deal with their offense and it, you know it's a never-ending battle and the crazy the Astros have been so sustainable because most of their guys are homegrown and you have I mean Altuve Alvarez Bregman they're all homegrown Pena and then the pitching staff besides like Verlander they're all homegrown players so they've been able to sustain their success for years now yeah you know and mattress mac is probably chomping at the bit right now but (laughs) yeah i saw he has his bed out already oh my goodness but uh yeah i mean it's good for them and for the orioles i mean it's a good it's a good blueprint i mean they went and tapped the astro system brought in their people to run their organization and you just hope their cheap owner finally is takes the model of extend early and extend often this offseason, they should legitimately lock up Rutschman. They should get Henderson. All these guys should just be signing extensions right now because it's gonna it's gonna be better flexibility wise for them, and it's a commitment, and it's gonna pay back tenfold, like the money they're gonna put out. He's just a cheap ass, so you're never sure what he's gonna do or if he's gonna trade half these people. There was a comment I think earlier this year where there was some he said something about that and the the Braves should be a blueprint for teams like the Orioles. I mean, look at what they did and look how long this core of the Braves is going to be around for. It's going to be absurd for the NL East. 
So like you said, I mean, and they have guys still that haven't even come up yet with Jackson holiday and yeah. uh, Kierstead Kowser, I think like all these, guys. I mean, they could, they could make two huge deals and still have a plenty of minor league talent yeah. coming up. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing to be like, Oh, they have this person. Oh, they have Heston Kierstead. Oh, they have Colin Kowser. Oh, is a like first one. Like he should be, no yeah. no brainer like eight year 150 million and offer him right now Still. yeah because he will for sure leave if he's not going to get paid and i don't blame him either i mean catcher's a premier position especially if you have a good guy he's a switch inning catcher offensive minded good defensively i mean he could probably get a deal at the same way jt did i mean he's going to be worth every penny he's a leader in the clubhouse and i again they're only going to get better i mean henderson getting all this experience and learning what it's like to be in a playoff series, have your back against the wall. I mean, these guys are game. They've always done it. Even in the minor leagues. I mean, they've always been competing at the highest level. So I, I think you should just back the truck up and start paying these guys out because you're going to have to this off season too. If you want a legitimate guy, if you're going to go get a Josh Hader to replace Bautista in the meantime, I mean, they got work cut out for them. I don't think they're going to bring back Gibby. A ten million dollar Gibby. I mean, I could see. I mean, if they decide to spend any money, Nola would be a good fit for them. But I don't know if they would spend that. Type Whoa, of money. Ben, chill. I'm not. Yeah. I'm just saying that. No, would be I've a, thought about it too. I was like, if a, if they're gonna, Nola would be the guy they should go after. That would be good. I mean, Nola could be. You could slot in as a legitimate one for a team, and you know that that's what the Orioles need is a is a, a guy a like one, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. He could he could stop right now. I'm not saying they're gonna spend the money because I could see them not doing it, but it's a team that just won a hundred win, just had a hundred wins. And how many hundred win seasons do you get? They didn't have one hundred win season when Cal Ripken played his whole career there. So like yeah. you know, I care. mean, you know, you know just as well as everyone else after that last season with the Mets. I'm not trying yeah. to harp. I'm just no, saying that was their like, fourth. I think fourth or fifth ever one hundred win yeah. season. It's crazy. Yeah. They're in a really good position though. And I, I hear Orioles fans saying they, they should have done more at the deadline, but looking back at that point, you kind of want to like build it slowly too. Like don't just empty out the farm system. Don't be making dumb angels trades because you oh feel the, gosh. because you feel it. Like, I think the moves that they made were okay. You know, Flaherty, you kind of wish he did a little bit better down the stretch and, you know, would have been a more reliable playoff arm that I think that would have helped them. Fuji, you know, he has ridiculous arm talent. He just can't locate. So if he, you know, I think it was worth a flyer for them to try to figure it out because if you can unlock him, he's a guy that's a hundred mile an hour fastball. So I don't think the moves that they made were, were wasteful. I think they did it trying to be careful and they have a good thing going with their young players. And, you know, if they can go out and get some savvy vets again and re-up, I think they're going to be in a really good position. And like we said, they went 91 series without getting swept. You know, it's insane. That's an insane stat. And in the AL East, I mean, that's a successful year. You know, it's it's tough to see it. I'm sure for Orioles, you know, fans, it's tough to go out like that. But they still made it farther than every other AL East yeah, team. It's a success. And to, to do that in the AL East, which is no matter what, it's always going to be a tough division. You're always going to have to deal with the Yankees, Red Sox, and – the Blue Jays are good right now. Like, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not easy for them, but you got to like the bones that they have in their organization. I mean, it's not like they got there with just a cheap roster and right. aging veterans. You know, I think Gibby's the only person who's making 10 million or more on their team right now. That's crazy, too. So, everyone, I mean, now spend some money. 
Yeah, I mean, this season, I'm sure payrolls are going to go up. I don't know who's arbitration eligible. So people who maybe just under that are going to go over, but they got money to spend. And you just got there. You know, the window's way open right now. We talk about the Sixers and how the window's closing with Joel, and it's getting even tighter every season. You know, the Orioles are on the way opposite end of that. You know, their their door is, you know, a mile wide right now. Yeah, and I mean – you know, Baltimore, while they're enjoying the success with the Orioles, typically I think when I think of Baltimore, I think of more of a football city than baseball. Just kind of going off that chase. Ravens, yeah. kind of a tough week. Uh, didn't know if you wanted to kind of talk. Oh, yeah. oh, oh wait, that. real quick, real quick. I actually wanted to ask you guys one other thing. I'm sorry. Okay. I know oh, yeah, we've yeah. been talking a lot of baseball so far. I just I just re- it came back into my head right now. But the Orioles got swept. And I know a lot of people were complaining about it last year. And I have a guy I work with who's a huge Orioles fan who is complaining about it again. I don't know if you guys know where I'm going with this. Yes. But, like, is the buy a thing or is that just people making uh, excuses? I thought you were going to say reseeding for a second. but uh... No, people are going to – I saw people that said they wanted to go back to the one-game wild card. It, if, if you – can't figure out how to properly get your players motivated for a week off, which pl- some players would absolutely love to have a week off. That's just on you and the manager. That, that's I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. mean, look at the Astros. They get it every year. Yeah. And it never affects them. The, you know? They should not be a team should not be gifted wins because they got to buy. They got to, they got to win a game like everyone else. That's, that's yeah. it. You yeah. Know? I think, it, I think it's more on the preparation. Like yeah, it's more just yeah. people being sore losers. <laughs> what it is. People just, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's just really Braves and Dodgers fans at this point, and probably O's, I guess too. But yeah, the O's did it this year, and and that's what the guy said. He said he'd rather go back to the one game wild card. But that's the other thing we talk about it every year. Baseball postseason is the craziest postseason, and they have the least amount of injuries. Right, like football, basketball, things can change because of your top top star gets injured. There's less injuries in baseball, and it's still ridiculously unpredictable. And I honestly think it's just the fact that there's now three wild card teams. There's more, there's the same amount of wild card as there are division. And all these teams, I mean, the slew of talent across the board, your bullpen has two bad games in a row, like, or you have two starting pitchers have great games. Like anyone has the capability to be anyone. I hate it as well. I know I heard it from Braves fans last year. I mean, this series, you know, a little different. We'll see how it plays out. It's not over yet. But, yeah, like you said, the Dodgers, I heard it from some of those fans at work, and I was just like, then don't win 100 games. Like, yeah. I should have lost the last series and given the division. Well, I just race. don't get the argument. Like, what do they feel like they should be gifted wins? Like, you got to go yeah. out and win a game. Like, yeah. The Phillies that a, or the any team that used their top two pitchers, like, previously. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, think they, it's good yeah, because they dealt with it. it. Yeah, they had I think Ranger it, go against Spencer, and <laughs> he went three innings. The O's is more just how it went. You know, their games weren't good. They were really only competitive game one. So I feel like for them, if if the Orioles came out and won a game, maybe it wouldn't be as bad. But I think just the reaction of it all is just them wanting it to be, you know, not having such a long bye. But, I mean, if I was – for me, I would have loved that the Phillies got the bye because it's more time for them – they get rest. All your star players get some time, mentally recharge, get ready for a big playoff series. You know, I think it's just the inexperience of 
you know, some of the teams and, you know, put that on the managers too. It's like, I don't know how many of them have gone deep. You know, I think the Orioles manager has been on a World Series team, but I don't know that for a fact. The one thing I will say about that, and I don't, we'd have to do a deeper dive because I don't have all the info, but I do know there's a lot of teams that the manager doesn't do a lot of things throughout the game. Like the managers are told what moves to make based on analytics and things like that. Like the manager does not have a lot of power. Like if there's a, like the Blue Jays, for example, when they pulled Berrios in that game and he was at three innings, 47 pitches, scoreless start. Like I don't, I think the Blue Jays front office is telling Schneider to pull him. So I'd, we'd have to do a deeper dive, but I don't, I think a lot of the managers are kind of losing power as far as some of those in-game situations too. Yeah. Yeah. I hate the analytic part of it because yeah. I think it's a good tool to have back up a decision, but I don't think a decision should be solely made off of that. I mean, look at our past two managers, Joe Girardi and Gabe Kapler. Those yeah. two idiots can't manage for shit. And all they do is rely on numbers and they right. make terrible decisions. So it's like, you need to have a feel for it too. Like if your pitcher's hot, leave them out there. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like Dusty Baker, when, uh, was it Javier or, uh, uh, I forget who was pitching last game, but he had like he was in a sticky situation and he left him out there and he got out of it. But the manager knows the clubhouse, he knows his players. Like, they're that's can't just be numbers. I think yeah. they're great, I love the numbers, but you, there's some things that managers know and that no one else is going to know. And I hate it's just, I think it's a recipe to burn out your all your arms. Like, if you're going to constantly rotate into the bullpen, like how do you expect them to be solid and sharp all the time? Plus you're giving other teams more information on those guys. You're going to see them more often, you know? Yeah. The, the Barrios move pissed me off because you got a guy who's supposed to be your ace. You're paying him over a hundred million dollars. He gave up, I think it was like a single. I don't even, or did something. And it was still like three scoreless innings with like 45 pitches and they pulled him. And it's like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> this, dude, you're paying like 120 million and this is your playoff game. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to pull him. Yeah. I mean, I also have to put Rob Thompson in there. He, you know, his nickname's topper for a reason. And sometimes I think he gets a little trigger happy. It's hard to tell with him, but I think numbers is he goes back. I mean, he was a Joe Girardi underling for a long time. So I think, it's a comfort zone for him, but sometimes too, I think you got to build up confidence in a guy and leave them out there to be tested and show their worth. I mean, you know, you're not yeah. going to, you're not going to pinch it for Bryce Harper, you right. know, but you yeah. know, I'm sure some idiot, some ass manager would probably do that at some point. Be like, well, the matchup said he's not very good yeah. against left-hander. Yeah, no, I mean, but it's just be interesting to see. Cause I do know, that's part of the recent trends with analytics is that a lot of managers don't have the same power to make those move in-game moves. So I'd, I'd be curious to know, I think a lot of the veteran guys do, but I'd be curious to know what managers are hired because they'll listen to the front office and that type of thing. Yeah. Now it would be, I wish they would release numbers at the end of the year and see like how often, uh, you know, decisions are made based off analytics and stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't mean to open up a can of worms. I know we got some other stuff to talk about. I got you two going again. But yeah, ultimately, I agree with both the takes. The buy is a good thing. If you want the buy, win games. If you're really going to be that hard on it, choke at the end and get a wild card spot and get eliminated in that series because that's probably what will happen. And yeah, analytics are taking over. And I mean, 
I talked to Ben before the game. Baseball is a slower one, so it's you, you have the time to really use the numbers more in your favor, even more so than other sports. But let's let's talk some football, Chase. Yeah, yeah, we can on? talk. Yeah, we can. This is all along with the analytics train because you know the Ravens, and it's like you were saying, Ben. They, you kind of think of Baltimore more as a football town, where the Orioles have a storied franchise. I mean, they have a one and up. I don't even know how long it's been. I mean probably a few decades at this point since the last time they got a championship and it's unfortunate because they've had some story rosters but john harbaugh is a slut for numbers sometimes and i can't mm-hmm. stand it and there's plenty of times like well, let's talk about the steelers game they they have the most accurate kicker in the game one of the most killer kickers in the game and we never use them and it drives me crazy because there's times like when you're playing the Steelers and it's 10 nothing or 10-3, you could just get the points and instead they they don't and then they they fungle around and the center snapping the ball and Lamar has no idea what's going on and John Harbaugh always says, well, I think it's a communication problem. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how you can keep blaming these communication problems year after year after year after year in situations where you know it's going to happen. And the Philly, it, you know, I think the Ravens, they had a tough game Sunday. They had seven, you know, drop balls. Nelson Aguilar, don't even get me started on him. He's on my hit list. You can find you can find me on record at WSYC in Shippensburg completely <laughs> destroying Nelson Aguilar. And now the fact that I have to deal with him every Sunday for the for the season is killing me slowly on the inside. He was wide open streaking down the field, had a ball dropped it Rashad Bateman had a touchdown pass dropped it Mark Andrews dropped it you know all these guys consistently I don't think it's going to happen you know continually through the year where all these guys are going to have the drop issue but it was it's a game where you had a chance to close them out and this has been an issue with them over the last year you early in the year with the Colts couldn't close them out when they had the chance to again with the Steelers, you let them hang around and hang around and hang around. And I don't, I can't even put my finger on what the, what the actual problem is. It's not like Lamar did really well. I mean, he hit all those guys on the hands with his passes. So if you take those out, what are his numbers? If all those are completions and touchdowns, they should walk out of the stadium. No problem. And their defense did their job. I mean, they held the Steelers as long as they could the offense just kept putting them in terrible positions and it finally ended George Pickens against Marlon Humphrey. Why he was left one-on-one with Pickens. I have no idea. He's their only actual weapon that they have. And Marlon Humphrey's coming back from a foot injury. He's obviously not a hundred percent yet. And he got left on an Island with Pickens. Who's an animal. He can do it all. He's fast. He can make ridiculous catches. So for them, I mean, it's a big, it's a it's a tough loss early in the season. The Steelers are now number one in the division somehow, and they're probably the worst team in the division. And Wild. The, the Ravens now have to go overseas to play a London game. And historically, oh. the Ravens are completely ass when they play in London. I don't have good memories of them, especially when Blake Bortles drops a 40-piece on you and they're up by 20 and run a fake punt oh. I mean, I will forever hate the Jaguars for that moment and Doug Marone and Blake Bortles and everyone who was on that piece of shit team who never won anything anyways. But do they play the Jaguars? They play the Titans this week. I was going to say the Jaguars are (laughs) out there for three weeks. They were out there the last two weeks. That was already Yeah. I mean, they could have honestly just stayed three weeks. I don't think anyone of Florida is missing the Jaguars (laughs) at this point. But 
Yeah, they play the Titans. Obviously, it's going to be a tough test. And looking at the Ravens schedule the rest of the year, I mean, it's not easy. They have a lot of tough games. I mean, you have to play the NFC West, which is no cakewalk by any means. You got the 49ers that are going to come in. You got to play the Chargers at some point. I mean, their schedule to finish out the year is probably one of the toughest ones. Plus, you have to play the Bengals again. You got to play the Browns once more. You still got to get the Steelers again. So for the Ravens, I mean, whatever their issues were, I still can't figure it out. I've been ready to fire Harbaugh since 2017. So any moment they decide to actually do it, I'm fine with it. I've been ready for it. I think he's a decent coach and everything, but he just always seems to have these dumb things where he can't manage the clock, makes dumb decisions. And just ride your kicker. We have Justin Tucker. I can't imagine if we actually had a terrible kicker, what we'd be doing. <laughs> yeah, and you know those games are going to be, I mean, those division battles are going to be low scoring. I mean, that's always how it seems to be. So. Yeah, we caught the Bengals early in the year when they weren't all together. They dismantled the Cardinals last week. Jamar Chase finally went off, and that's not a good sight for me as a fan, knowing that we got to go against them again. Luckily, all those division matchups we have were on the road, so we get them all at home, but still doesn't matter. If you can't close out a game, you're not going to win any. You're not going to close out the year. And the yeah. fact they just don't have that killer instinct right now worries me for going into deeper in the season. Yeah, I mean, and we'll see what happens. There's AFC North battles are always – basically, if you would say how was an AFC North game, it was like that one. But in brighter news – Benny's Jets beat the team that yeah. ben thought probably was going to win a Super Bowl by now, the Denver Broncos, which I was also on that train. Well, I didn't, I didn't say that. Well, so. not a Super Bowl, but we both thought they were going to be at least playoff teams last year and this year. I and thought they'd be, yeah, definitely we, better. We hot garbage, but not only do your Jets win, but you bet on them and they won. So Benny, yeah. Benny is Another now plus money line 10 and 1. Ben is 10 and 1. With his after further review picks, we're twelve and five of the whole. He's ten and one, and hey, the Rams. I mean, I know that they're two and three, but they're playing a lot better. And right now, they they they're still hanging in there for that division. So you never know. But yeah, so the Rams division. I mean, that one's probably going to miss because the Forty ers are just cruising. And I mean, that brings me to your bet, Ryan. That uh, did that win. Uh, are you talking about how I am now 0-4 in after further review picks history? Going with the Cowboys money line. My goal, Ben, my goal is by the end of 2024 to start positive, positively contributing to to the after further review. The funny fam. thing is your picks are normally pretty good. You're just – any time you've made a pick so far on the show, they haven't yeah. been great. Yeah, no. Oh, my goodness. I literally told – you know our family league in Yahoo. I told Kendra Thursday afternoon to sub in Curtis Samuel into fantasy for Sky Moore, and she's like, "Oh, he's not project. He's only projected six points or whatever." I was like, "No, I feel like he's gonna get a touchdown tonight. He gets a touchdown," and I'm like, "Okay, all right, I'm feeling good. I'm like hitting some stuff here. Come on, Cowboys!" And what happens? Still, the overrated quarterback Brock Purdy dismantles them. Oh, I thought you meant Dak. Still so, think Dak's a guy. Yes. Oh, okay. One yeah, I gotta, I gotta know. What do you think is the problem with the Cowboys right now, or is it just a 49ers problem with them? So, okay. So, just to break down the season, right? We have three insanely blowout wins. Okay, we have the Jets, the Pats, 
and the Giants, which all three of those teams have not been that good so far. So it's hard to – but they're blowing them out, right? Then you have the weird Cardinals game. I think that was the trap game. So I can throw that one away. So here we go. Week five to the 49ers. Chase, I don't know. I honestly think like because that whole week, Dak's like getting pissed at reporters and stuff. Like I feel like mentally in their head, like they mentally can't. I mean, the 49ers this year are probably better right now than they have been. And I know the Cowboys haven't had a ton of playoff success in recent years. Last year was not a ton. Not had any. They literally Brady's last game and professional football took an L in the playoffs to to Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. I think Chase to answer your question, number one, it's mentally messing with the Cowboys, and number two, I still am not set on Mike McCarthy. I honestly feel like Kellen Moore got a lot of the blame for all the play calling stuff. And this year, I cannot go five minutes into a Cowboys game without hearing West Coast offense. West Coast offense this. West Coast offense that. Mike McCarthy won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, who's like a top five quarterback of all time, and couldn't – I don't hate Mike McCarthy. I like him, but I also know that him and Jerry Jones are friends. I don't know if that's just like giving him the edge. That's giving him all the power he wants. But I just feel like he needs a little bit of criticism. I think some of it's mm. on him. I mean, he the the play that ended the game last year that everyone still makes fun of the Cowboys on when Dak runs up the middle and slides down. Like, I don't know if he drew that up or not, but it was definitely an option, right? So I just think he deserves some criticism. And I think that it's a mental thing. But I just – those games are the absolute worst – because it already sucks. I told you guys I hate season-ending injuries. It already sucks Trayvon's out. And what happens when they get blown out? Everyone just starts giving up. And what does that mean? You're not playing 100%. You're going to get injured. Jordan Lewis, injured. Deron Bland, injured. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch. I don't even yeah. know the severity of him. That <laughs> was bad. Like four to six weeks. That, but the, he, I mean, Something like that. it was not the – it was a nasty block. And his head just dives into Micah Parsons' ribs. But, like, that's what – these guys just – I mean, He's t- basically Sean Lee 2.0, just – good when he plays injured all the time yes except yeah. he just has a bunch of sketchy head to neck injuries literally non-stop yeah. and but that's that's what happens in these games these guys get tired and oh my i was legitimately pissed like Lindsay said like welcome to being a cowboys fan i i i was testing the waters like i didn't know how much of a fan i actually was i was so pissed that night i like wanted to fight like anybody <laughs> I don't understand how you can watch a whole game like that. I, I I should not have. I don't know. Like, we were kind of just – Kabak was up, and then he went to bed, and we just turned it on. And I personally – I'm not a Cowboys fan. You are. I've watched all the games that way. But I don't think Dak's the guy. I, he hasn't – he's been in the league long enough now where it just doesn't seem like he's going to carry the team if, you, if the Super Bowl is the ultimate goal to – I don't think he's going to be the guy to carry that team. We're yeah, but okay. I mean, what's what's this year six? No, now? this is year eight. Year eight. Yeah, twenty sixteen. So at what point year. do you say enough's enough? Like, <laughs> okay, when do you give him that second contract, the third contract? First of all, first of all, winning a Super Bowl is hard. Has I'm he... not giving any credit to Tom Brady at all because they had a lot of good teams, coaching, defenses, all this and that and the other thing. Winning a Super Bowl is hard. Two, sure. how many quarterbacks? 
go their entire career of being an elite quarterback and never winning a lot. Like, are you, are you like, who are you taking him or Kirk cousins? Taylor. Dak. But either way, Kirk is Kirk has been relevant for a long time and has a lot of good years. Like Philip Rivers, I feel like is another good example. Depends. What time does the game start? What <laughs> <laughs> PM Kirk Cousins? I'm taking him all day. I honestly think Ben. Part of it is the utilizing thing. Like I just don't know if the Cowboys always utilize Dak to his abilities. Like I mean, is like is CD not going off every game because of Dak, or is it because of the system and how they're using them? I mean, I just became a Cowboys fan. My fiance would know a lot better than me. But I, I mean, I like Dak and I think he's a solid QB. And I think it's so hard to win in this league. You don't move on from him yet. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like they got Trey Lance. I mean, I think this year we're seeing like an all-time low, honestly, in QB play. Yeah. Like, I, I, really, I think this has been the sloppiest year of football. Like, I'm just trying to think of QB's going off, and for me, it's more the systems. Like, two is going absolutely off, and I think their system and weapons are nuts. Brock Purdy's having a good year. System and weapons are nuts. Like, I I don't know. It's been really weird, and I don't... Yeah. Would you want the Cowboys to make a deal for somebody? I just... Like, a quarterback or just anybody? No, like, I've, I've been hearing that Diggs wants out, and that's not any different from the offseason, but would you want the Cowboys to be like, all right, two first-rounders for Diggs? Would you do that? No. Well, the other problem is I'm not going to get like, I feel like I came in as a Cowboys fan, but I'm like in as a, my fiance's Cowboys fan. So I kind of think like her and she loves all the players. Right. So I'm not just, it's hard for me well, right that's now. That's a recipe for disaster. Just get attached to football players in their two and a half year careers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're not giving up anyone. Like you're just giving up two first yeah. round picks. Like, Oh, you're talking about get Stefan. Yeah, no, get Stefan Diggs. Oh, yes. Yes, 100%. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Trayvon. No, yeah. no, no, no. Don't no. I'm don't trade it. Like obviously they need something else right now. Yes. And no, I don't I'm know thinking, what that is. I bet I told Ben, ben Diggs is on Ben Sanity team. I told Ben the other day. I think, you know, last we talked about Calvin Johnson, like how no one can come close. But I think if you take last five years. If you go last 10 years, just group all the wide receivers in the last five, all the wide receivers in the last 10. Like, I think Diggs is the most consistent. Like, it's hard to use the term durable. You think he's number two? Yeah, yeah who's number one? Mike Evans. Okay. Well, it was like nine, a thousand yard season. Well, regardless, that's what I'm, but yeah, that's what I'm like saying. Jimmy like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But yeah, so Chase, yes. He's still a top five guy. I mean, oh, no, and, for sure. Yeah. yeah like, I, think the ravens too i like i i want them to make a deal for an offensive player i don't think they're going to but even if it's sutton i obviously Diggs would make the most sense he went to maryland there's ties there he's worth it he's worth the price of admission yes i know the 2024 draft class is good but we're not we're not in a pit like i don't i don't want them to be like oh we drafted david ojaba in the second round great he tore his acl and guess what he's not playing right now because he's hurt like they draft all these people and they win the draft and it doesn't translate so i'm tired of like the draft pick thing two comments for both your teams one for chase how do you feel if the broncos started packing it in for like someone like judy or sutton to try i'm i'm in the ravens were actually really close to getting sutton before they got odell so I think that the Ravens, if they did circle back, probably would be Sutton more because I don't think he's going to cost as much. But I'm not as attached to the draft picks right now. I think we have a good base. We 
at, to be completely honest, full transparency, if the Ravens do make a deal, I think it's going to be for a defensive player again, just because they value defense so much more than offense. And it's going to make me want to pull my hair out. But I didn't hate the Roquan Smith trade last year. We needed a middle linebacker. He was dynamic. He really changed the way the defense was. So if they could get Sutton and Diggs is my number one, if they could get him, I mean, I think their offense is a lot better. It changes the game for them. It's going to open up the running lane. It's going to get Lamar a lot more, obviously a weapon, but give him space again. So I, I think they, I, to be honest, if they're going to save their season, they got to pick up somebody here and not just some third stringer who's on someone's team, like a Van Jefferson. Like I, it, I don't want that. I don't, A, we don't need that. Yeah. We need some think, like a JIT guy. You don't think OBJ will turn it up at all? I like OBJ. I'm just worried because he's already been dinged up. And for some reason, OBJ is a volume guy. You got to get him the ball so he gets hot and he gets that confidence and he gets con- you know, cocky and arrogant. And last weekend with Lamar tried to throw a back shoulder pass. I mean, Kendrick could have thrown a better back shoulder pass to Odell on that play. We, the second we saw uh, the second I saw the formation, hand to God, I told I told Hannah, I was like, it's going to Odell on this play. He's got one-on-one coverage. Joey Porter Jr., I love the guy. I want the Penn State. Yeah, I don't think he's the greatest corner ever. I don't even think he's that good in man coverage. And they threw the ball right to him. And I'm like, no kidding. No shit. I saw this from a mile away, from a, a hundred miles away. I'm in here, not even close to the stadium. And I saw Odell one-on-one. And I'm like, Odell needs this ball. He needs this right now to get this touchdown, jump up and get the thing. It was a terrible pass from Lamar. So Odell never even had a chance, but... Uh, the fact they don't get him more work is, you know, struggling to me. They get Zay Flowers a lot of targets, and that's good. But also, he has a history of drops. Like, it wasn't surprising to see him drop a ball last weekend. He did it in college. He's really dynamic. He's a playmaker. He's going to do these things. But Odell needs five, six targets in the first half every single game, no matter what. <clears throat> and he doesn't. He's like, there's times I look on the field. I'm like, where the hell is Odell at? Where is he? Like, but he's that guy, you know, we've all seen him. We saw with the Giants, with the Rams, the second he starts getting volume his way, he's unstoppable. He literally will just run it up on everyone. doesn't matter who it is. So it's annoying to me, but also I think another wide receiver would help Odell too. Cause right now people know that there's, that's their top weapon outside of Andrews. So it's like beat me with everyone else then. Yeah. My question for you, Ryan was just, I feel like the, uh, the Cowboys don't really use I feel like they don't use CD as a like legit number one receiver it feels like sometimes they kind of have him and they put him in positions where he's almost like a slot guy or like I don't know it just doesn't feel like they use him as like he's a legit number one receiver but it doesn't feel like they use him properly all the time yeah like he could be like a Debo Samuel just doing everything yeah yeah that's exactly what I was gonna say Debo yeah. And it just doesn't yeah. like they could they don't I don't think they utilize or maximize what he could do for that offense. Well, that's what I'm saying. That, and that's why I'm not ready to give up on Dak either. Like I don't know if it's just it's so hard. I mean, you have to build you have to have a good system and a winning culture, and you have to combine the two with also having a good team, right? And I think like Dak, and you know, he's been there seven years going, this is year eight. So like it you can have more of a conversation but i definitely agree like cd is underutilized and i mean you look at their offensive weapons zeke's out now they brought a a veteran cooks like there's opportunity to give cd lamb the ball 
Like, yeah. you just have to figure out how to do it. I'm sure he's fine with having a Debo type of role. I mean, he likes having the ball. He's good when he has the ball. So, yeah. I mean, same thing. CD should have the same thing as Odell. He should have five, six targets right away. And they should be scheming him open. Use those tight ends to like draw people down the field and have CD just go to work in the middle. I mean, he's dynamic and especially with the ball in his hand. I mean, yeah. he can do some nasty stuff. Yeah. No. And I hope you guys have enjoyed everything we've talked about so far just a lot of football a lot of baseball to talk about i mean it's a great time for sports we we're not gonna even probably talk about hockey but hockey oh, yeah. just started and WNBA. Yeah. um did that end? you know no it's still the playoff it's still the uh, championship right now game two tonight actually yeah. but before we go quickly i we just gotta talk a little bit ufc um yes. specifically because there's a bunch of breaking news that happened a few hours before we started the podcast uh, first and foremost, we got Charles Oliveira with a nasty cut in round five of his sparring the night before he's about to get on a plane. Now he can't fight. Tough for him. But on the other hand, you got Volkanovsky just coming in on 11 days and fighting Makachev. I mean, that is insane. Yeah. And their first fight was really exciting. So, you know, Volk, City, you know, City Kickboxing, you know, they're putting in the work. You know, he was really angling for this fight anyway. So, you know, I feel like he knew. And I don't know. I don't know who the UFC tapped to be the replacement fighter anyways. But I feel like Volk was training as if he was going to be that guy. Yeah, well, I saw. So Gamrot was the um, it's oh. kind of sucks for him. He was the back, he was the backup fighter for that fight. Yeah. And but then because Volk came in, Volk got yeah. it. So Gamrot still the backup. So it's kind of unfortunate for him that he yeah. doesn't get that fight. But I mean, Vol, it's crazy to take a fight against Makachev on that short notice. He had surgery like three months ago. I think like a month ago, he just had a baby. And now he's coming on 11 days notice with going up a weight class to fight for the bell and a guy he just lost. And I mean, he just fought. He's already fought twice this year, I think. I mean, yeah. he's, he's one of the most active guys in the UFC and probably I know he's probably number two on the pound for pound, but arguably number one. And he's got a serious contender in Ilya Taporia knocking down the door for a fight with him too. So, yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got options right now. Yeah. And I, I think they were planning to fight in January and he already said like, that's not ruled out or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't put it past him. I mean, the guy's a savage. He doesn't care. I think if he, I think it, he's a guy that the UFC knows if you offer him a fight every week, he's taking it. Yeah. Type deal. And I think a lot of those city kickboxing guys have the same mentality. It's the quicker I get in, the quicker I'm out. And just so you know, Ryan Makachev is Khabib's boy. They're like, are they cousins or are they just like I they might be cousins actually. I don't but know. Khabib, but they've been really tight since young. Makachev was always in Khabib's corner, and when Khabib retired, that was basically like who he trained to like continue <laughs> yeah and mine has just been dominant yeah he has one loss it was a terrible it was early on in his career he got knocked out but i mean since then he's just been khabib 2.0 he's been yep. a, a smasher serious mm-hmm. i'm yep. dead serious do you think it's because well, of one's has it been like eight years since he's lost or something ridiculous I think so. it's been two uniform changes ago for him when he got knocked out so that's a long time <laughs> wasn't even the ufc yeah what the and, uh, heck? So just like being in Khabib's corner and now being trained by Khabib. So and he's fought some of the best guys too. He's not fighting scrubs. Did no. Khabib ever lose? No. Nope. But no. Do you think he's the goat? I always forget. I don't know. Uh, I mean, 
Nunez yeah. for sure for women, but for women, Nunez. Is but anyways, dope. Khabib's an animal, and now this guy. It's funny, Makachev Khabib. Is... I saw Khabib talked about Makachev, and they were like, because you know they were like, you know, Makachev still had to accept the fight too to Volkanovski, which is arguably a tougher opponent than Oliveira. And Khabib was like, he was like, bro, if King Kong could go down to one fifty five, Makachev would fight him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. yeah. Khabib said, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure Makachev would try to take on John Jones if he got the opportunity. Like, you know. Yeah. Would he yeah. ever fight McGregor? Makachev McGregor doesn't want that fight. McGregor yeah. was like roasted. <laughs> After gets... the Habib incident, I don't know if he should go back to He shouldn't go guys. back, but I think any MMA fan who's watched knows McGregor would get absolutely dominated by Makachev, and it wouldn't even be close. Yeah. Wouldn't even be close. Well, that's what I feel like. I feel like that's what the vibe I get. Nor would Makachev ever accept that fight because McGregor... But speaking of McGregor, he just entered the drug pool today, too. Yeah. So He's now getting he, back in it. Probably. I'm assuming at this point UFC 300 is going to feature McGregor, but who knows? Yeah. You think they're going to give him someone he can knock out? I mean, it should be Michael Chandler because that's yeah. what they hold the whole, t- um, the whole ultimate fighter ultimate was based fighter on. supposed to be is you literally have a team. And at the end of the show, you guys fight the coaches fight. That's literally the whole show, but they never fought yet. So yeah, it should be who it is, but who knows? It, and it seems like that too. Cause Chandler has been popping off on Twitter saying how things are coming and oh, yeah, so it'll not be an easy fight for McGregor. That's no. good. I mean, Chandler's been really active. He's fought a lot of the best guys at the top of the division, so he's ready to go. I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't taken a fight in the meantime just to keep, you know, stay sharp, but he knows the big money fight is McGregor. Yeah, and Ryan, he's another fighter that's just super, like, he's exciting to watch. He's just going to stand up and just go to work. So he'll swim. Like, he's not going to go to the ground when McGregor, like, try to take him to the ground. Mm -hmm. He's going to stay up and fight him. Yeah. Yeah. He might Uh, try to kick him in the face like he did tony ferguson yeah that was ridiculous yeah that's a killer and then other news with that same card 294 we have costa out against chemayev and stepping in kamara usman now usman chemayev on that card just that's that's even a better fight too yeah that's a big money fight i mean usman former welterweight division king of that division ran it for a long time you know, coming into face Chimaev, who up, I don't think his toughest fight to date has probably been Burns. And, yeah. you know, that's, you know, a little bit in the distance now. So the fact Chimaev is coming in, and obviously this is probably his most, his toughest fight yet, I would say, against somebody who has been there, done that, worn the belt, and had the championship mentality, you know. And Usman's still trying to get back to that point, too. So this fight, and if he wins, immediately catapults him back in, right into that contention talk. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he looks. I know he's getting not—he's not old, but he's getting a little old on the older side. And Chamaya was just so aggressive in there. So we'll see how that plays out. But just just wanted to mention some of those exciting things that happened, and I'm sure there's other things that I'm missing. Um, just exciting events with UFC, but just those are huge. Yeah. You know, I mean, the fact they were able to replace it and make it the card even better. I mean, usually when people drop out, the card doesn't recover that well. And, yeah, you know, they went back and got guys who are, you know, they're paying out money for this show now. They weren't about to before, but now they're they're forking out some money to make it a good card. So they are. I don't know enough about it, but I did see USADA and the UFC are done. Did you see that? 
Oh no, I didn't see that. They're they're not their partnership ended. Yeah. Oh, so does that mean it's back I, to the old Wild West for the UFC? I don't know. No, I'm just waiting, for McGregor. I'm waiting for Brock Lesnar to just make a return. I know, right? All those saucy guys. Vitor Belfort's coming back. Oh, oh um, oh, what's his face? Uh, Alistair Overeem just gonna come. Oh, Overeem, looking, yeah, looking just humongous. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, I think Ryzen or one of them does ha- explicitly does not drug test, so. I mean, the UFC, it was good to make it clean, obviously, but I think a lot of guys got pinched and dinged during this whole thing, too, that weren't necessarily dirty people that just got popped for a bad supplement or that's, yeah, that's I, interesting. No, I didn't. I didn't. It doesn't. It. It, I think it's I think what I read is it starts January, like January 1st, 2024. It's but I don't know what I would imagine they're going to do something. I can't imagine they're just going to let it go. But Yeah, go back to the olden days where, yeah. you know you know some people yeah oh yeah yeah i got one last thing ncaa football this weekend top 10 matchup you have oregon and washington number eight number seven this game is going to be outrageous you have two people who are competing for the heisman trophy bo nix and michael Penix jr it's going to be insane game if you're not big on college football and you're wondering what to watch this is going to be the game i would circle to definitely tune into they're two guys on the rise oregon Blew the doors off of Colorado earlier this year. Looking back, probably not that surprising, but USC also in their division. It, by the way, Pac-12, for all the things that they're going to be packing up and ending, this has probably been their best year in 10, 15 years. They're, uh, all their teams are mostly ranked at this point and really competitive. So another Pac-12 matchup. Watch it. It's not going to happen anymore, so get it in while it's still hot. Do you have a pick? I... I uh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> you knew it was coming, Chase. <laughs> you know it. You know it was coming. I don't know. Washington's a three-point favorite at home against Oregon. Okay. Oregon has shown time and time again they can come up and make some plays. So, if Oregon wins this, I really wouldn't be surprised. I think I might back them on this. Washington throws for a ridiculous amount of yards. Penix is just his left arm hasn't popped off yet, but. <laughs> I mean, they're ranked a spot higher. I think Oregon's just in a good spot. I think people might be, uh, you know, looking at Washington as a hot team, but I don't know. I'm feeling Oregon maybe outright on this one. Oh. Is, that a, is that a is that an AFR pick? You're two and zero. Yeah. You're gonna are you gonna put it on the line? Let's lock it in, Oregon. You got it. All right, ending the show with Chase making a pick. Oregon money line this weekend. Yeah, I'll hop on so that. When they lose by thirty five, I'll come back and have a good reason why. Chase, you have a better winning percentage than Ben right now. We have That's to ride true. it. That's true. College no football's way. been really good this year. And uh yeah, I mean there's other there's other really good matchups coming, but yeah, you know, this is definitely the one where I'm really excited for. You have that fraud matchup between USC and Notre Dame. Notre Dame's just ranked right now because they want it to be a good matchup, but they are <laughs> they are a steaming pile of dog shit that can't win a game if they had to. So we'll see. And USC has been winning, but they've been dropping in the polls. So Two teams that are probably trending downward, even though Caleb Williams is going to be the number one pick next year. So all you Pats fans that are pissed right now, you're probably going to get Caleb Williams anyway. So just be happy the fact you're going to get a franchise quarterback. Unless the Vikings just pull out a card and trade Kirk Cousins and totally send it in this year. I think the Patriots are probably going to end up with them because the Panthers suck, but they already have a quarterback. So Patriots, I think this might be your time to tank it, get Caleb Williams, and you're set. All right, Chase. Well, we'll look forward to that game. I didn't have that one on my radar, so I'll definitely be 
keeping an eye out and kind of taking taking a look at that one. So I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, this podcast. This was a fun one. Lots to talk about. There'll be a lot to talk about in the upcoming weeks. Uh, and, you know, we hope to announce a special guest as well for next week. Uh, haven't really talked about it much, but looking forward to uh, another guest and kind of making that, you know, a regular thing on the show that we have some different guests from some different avenues here pop in and just kind of talk a little to us. So again, we appreciate everyone listening. Stay tuned for a special announcement for a guest and we will uh, see you guys here next week. Deuces. Peace. <laughs>